Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talea Dindi. I am a 10-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. This podcast is about sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who made it on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello, and welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. I am your host, Talea Dindi. Today, our very special guest is Vicki Zarkin. Vicki Zarkin was diagnosed with cancer in 2011. She has been living with stage four metastatic cancer for over 10 years, and she is the only person in the world alive with this aggressive illness. She was diagnosed in her 40s when her doctor first told her to go home and get her affairs in order. And at that time, she had two small children at home. Vicki spent the next several years fighting for her life, advocating for herself, navigating through the healthcare world, and following her gut. Today, Vicki is a beacon of hope for others. She's a motivational speaker and a coach on a national level and a successful author. Vicki, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. I am so happy to have you. Um, Wow, your story. I can't wait for the audience to hear all about it. So please share with us how you were told that you had stage four metastatic cancer. Um, You know, it's interesting how I was told because I mean, I was just flat out got a phone call and they knew right away that I had breast cancer. Um, I was in the throes of a horrible flu at the time. So in between throwing up, I get this call from my internist that, you know, cause I had just had a mammogram and he said, you know, Vicki, you, you definitely have breast cancer. Um, we just need to get a biopsy and figure out what kind and how bad it is. But I mean, they he flat out said on the phone, you definitely got cancer. And to me, I wasn't overly worried. Um, granted, I was vomiting a lot at the time, <laughs> but yes. I wasn't overly worried because I was under the, the belief that breast cancer is curable. I mean, let's face it. It has been around for a while and they have had, you know, great strides. Unfortunately, I think things are going backwards in the breast cancer um, world. And that's, you know, what I'm here to um, hopefully help change for the future because um, breast cancer needs to be eradicated. I mean, come on. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, women should not be still, still dying. Um, So, so I was just kind of flat out told, um, and I went to a Johns Hopkins from there to, um, and that's about a two hour drive from my house just to get an idea. Mm -hmm. And I, I went with the, 
called ourselves the Three Musketeers, my mom, my husband, and I, because we were going back and forth and back and forth. I mean, we had testing for a good six weeks. What? Back and forth, two hours every day. And bear in mind, I had small kids at home. So, you know, they didn't know what I was doing or where I was going because I wasn't going to say anything until I knew for sure. Mm -hmm. So it was quite a grueling uh, time period. The not knowing was was rough. I bet. You know, I because bet. I'm somebody that likes conclusions and you know <laughs> answers and, you know, I'm going to get right down and fix it, you know, and the not right. knowing in the weeks and the weeks. That was tough. Um, but finally, they said to me, OK. We, we've got the best oncologist at uh, Johns Hopkins. He has reviewed all your tests and he's ready to tell you what your next step is. So we're funneled into this operatory, mm. you know, like lambs to the slaughter. No, no idea what's coming. And, um, you know, he's just sort of going on and on and on. And to be honest with you, I had no idea what he was saying. I didn't know a lot about cancer at the time. Um, I didn't have any loved ones that had passed from cancer like most people. And he was just not making any kind of eye contact with me. And mm -hmm. he was just going on and on and on and saying things that I just had no idea. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I clicked in because that's when I heard him say, I'm so sorry. Um, I have been in touch with all my colleagues here at Johns Hopkins, and we are all in this in agreement that there's nothing we can do for you. Wow. And you need to go home and get your affairs in order. And I was like, what? I mean, I was yeah. gobsmacked. I mean, <sighs> here I am waiting all these weeks to get down to fixing the problem, so to speak, you know, mm -hmm. and now he's telling me go home and die. I don't think so. Right. That wasn't, that wasn't going to work for me. And so the Vicky that walked into the room that day mm -hmm. died instantly. The minute I heard those words, I know it sounds crazy, but that's exactly what happened. And the me that you're speaking to today mm -hmm. took over. Yes. And, um, and I lunged across that room and grabbed that doctor by the neck. Okay. I did. I mean, like I flew, like I took air, <laughs> I took air and I grabbed him and I pulled him in by the shirt collar really, really close because I needed him to see me for the human being that I was not the Autobot that yes. he was referring to. And I said, I don't care what you cut off me. I don't care what you stick in me. I don't care, quite honestly, what you do to me. Mm -hmm. I am going to be the one. I am going to make it. I'm a mom. I was like furious. Wow. And then I realized, you know, my hands were around somebody's <laughs> neck. And I was like, oh, crap. He's going to call the <laughs> security. <laughs> I backed up. <laughs> and, and I was real, real quiet. And he was quiet and, you know, you could just gently hear like my mom and my husband's, you know, silently crying, but otherwise the room was really quiet and <sighs> you'd, think, you'd think it went on for a while, but it was just a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And he looked up and he looked at me for the first time. And, and he, 
we we may you know we locked eyes and he said hmm and I was like oh geez and he he says I'll tell you what we'll start with chemotherapy but I'm not promising anything I'm not saying what we're going to do after that we'll see how you do is that okay with you Mm. and I said yes that's okay with me now the thing is what I knew being the fighter that I am that now I've bought myself some time Mm -hmm. because I knew I was in a pickle because I was starting to get a better understanding of exactly what was going on and I was riddled in cancer I mean he had good reason to say what he said Mm -hmm. it was in my neck in my esophagus, through my mammary glands, all through my chest, the right, uh, the left ventricle of my heart, the left lung, like 30 lymph nodes wrapped around my left breast, wrapped around my nipple. I mean, it was everywhere. I mean, I was metastatic stage four cancer. I mean, it had definitely left the breast. And, um, So, I mean, I knew I was in a pickle, but I knew I wasn't dying. Mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't dying. There was no way I was going to let anybody raise my kids besides me. Uh, That that was just the bottom line. I I was not going to allow somebody else to raise my children. I, I was it. And so fight mode switched on. And, um, you know, I have to be honest, it was about a two year period. I was really like a shell of the the person that I am, Mm -hmm. because I was waging a war, you know, like a metaphysical war, a battle. And I was what I called it like in a tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. I didn't see right. I didn't see left. I just saw fight. Mm -hmm. And Um, And I left a little part of me to care for my children, you know, the baths, the story time, all of that, the, the, the me, but everybody else got a very robotic me. Mm -hmm. You know, I would answer yes and no to questions. It was like, I was there, but I wasn't really there. Yes. I don't, and nobody really understood exactly why it just seemed to them. I think that I was just cold. That mm-hmm. I was aloof, you know, because everybody was being so incredibly kind to me and I didn't have anything left. Yes. I was fighting so hard. I couldn't really acknowledge all the kindnesses that I was receiving, which broke my heart inside. But I, I was on a mission, mm-hmm. you know, I was on a mission to save my life. And this was the only way that I could do it. So when I came out of, slowly came out of that trance about two years after, mm-hmm. I had a big party for everybody. <laughs> thanking, thanking, thanking them. them. For, yeah. yeah, for all that they did for me and, and so forth, because, um, you know. I wanted to say what an amazing story, first of all. And I admire your courage and your strength, and quite frankly, your will to live. And at that moment, you decided that I'm not accepting this. 
Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to die. I was and not. So, yeah. And so can you tell us a little bit more about um, you're the only person in the world alive? Isn't that crazy? That is. I had no idea, of course, um, until, you know, it started coming out because I lived. Mm. Nobody has survived this aggressive form of cancer before. They had no idea what to do with me. So that's why I am a, an, uh, a full out advocate for myself mm-hmm. still today. And it's very, very tiring being me. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I'm in constant pain. I have, I'm on maintenance chemotherapy and have been so on, um, I've been given chemotherapy every single month for the last over 11 years. Oh, Wow. So that does something to a body. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, I'm in pain all the time and I'm constantly still today fighting with the insurance companies, mm-hmm. fighting with doctors um, to just to get one new medication or um, or, you know, to figure out my the new problem that I might've had or, you know, what happened, because everything is always breaking down. Something's always coming up. And so I liken it to, I go to sleep at night, I wake up and I start running up a hill. Mm -hmm. Every day, every day and night falls, I go to sleep, I get up and I start running up that hill Mm -hmm. every single day. It never lets up. And, you know, you might ask me, why, you know, why, how, why, or, or why do you, you know, how do you cope with all that? And if you get into the mindset of somebody that had the will mm-hmm. to, that nobody was good, she wasn't dying because she was going to raise her kids. Mm-hmm. I am not going to waste that time complaining or worrying, you know, the pain's not going anywhere. That's right. But time and daylight sure is. Absolutely. And so I'm going to like love life and live every moment and have a good time and enjoy my life. And I'm also going to make use of my life. Mm-hmm. And I made a promise to God. Okay. And that, and that promise was, if I could raise my children, I would help women. Wonderful. And my youngest, as you just saw, um, just started college this year okay. and I became an empty nester and it was the perfect time to keep that promise to God, because now I'm moving into my next phase as my children are flying on their own with the lessons that, you know, I've taught them and given, given them that, um, that push to, uh, to do what they need to do now for themselves. So it's my turn to help women and other women have the right to tuck their children into bed at night as I had that right. Yes, I am determined, determined to make that happen. And I have set up a lot of um, a lot of things in uh, projects and so forth 
to mm -hmm. harness my passion in order to everything that I do is to try to make my voice louder. I mean, I yes. know I'm, I'm a kind of loud, crazy person, <laughs> but I'm one person. Right. And You're trying to broaden your reach. I am. I am mm -hmm. because I want to hit thousands, millions of women. I want to help mm -hmm. as many as I can. And so I wrote my book. Okay. I am the one, but I have my book out. I am the one, which is a real, you know, why did you write the book? Well, I believe it or not, when I started, I, it was COVID and oh. I wanted to, it, it was time. It had been my, it was my 10th year anniversary. Okay. And I was like, I need to get this out. It's time. Mm -hmm. I'm ready. And the crazy thing was, I didn't know when I started to write the book, I had no recollection of what I had done to save myself. Oh, and so yes. writing the book was not only healing, but it was eye-opening. And it taught me all the things that I had done that I cannot believe. Like I made up an exercise program for myself, literally from thin air mm -hmm. in order to, you know, when I was told that I, I, I couldn't move and, and, and then from being such an active person, the, the time of non-movement was getting to me. Oh, and yes. so I created an exercise program that was, you know, um, doctor approved. Mm -hmm. you know but not boring like all I was able to do was like walk really really slow and it was like all right I've had it with this yes. and I put myself on the treadmill and I love Motown and I love like 70s music and stuff <laughs> and I was listening to it really loud in my in my ears and then all of a sudden when you know I just started to like move ah. dance and that and it was just born out of that and you know what I teach people in my video, because I sell it on my website, IamTheOne.com. Mm -hmm. It's not just an exercise video. First of all, I teach everybody to take it and create their own. Yes. So, I give it, so it's really a template mm -hmm. because everybody's needs are different. Everybody's illness is a little different. And the bottom line, the, the, the whole idea behind it Mm -hmm. It's not how you dance or how you move. It's just to do that, to move. But I started this, you have to understand, in the middle of a, an active full gym. Yes. And I'm on this treadmill and I, my <laughs> hands are like going in the air and I'm like clapping and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and like, you know, woohoo, you know, and you know, of course, everyone's staring. And the thing is, that's the whole point of the exercise program. If you truly let go yes, and you don't mind your surroundings and you're just in your head, it's like your church. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. spiritual. It was, um, I would cry in the middle mm -hmm. of, you know, the gym and you just have to not care. That's right. 
get to that point, it almost doesn't matter what else you're doing. That's the whole point of my program. And, you know, I tell everybody, pick your own music, find your own dance, hold on, don't hold on, go (laughs) as fast as you want, you know, or whatever. Everybody can do it in a different way. And we all move different and our outlets are different, but ultimately you must let go in order for it to really work. So I learned, that's one of the things I learned. I had no idea that I even was doing that. And Mm -hmm. then I taught myself how to meditate. Never even so yes. much did yoga, <laughs> but all these doctors and you'll, you'll, it, it, I talk about it in my book. Mm-hmm. were giving me narcotics, like bottles, oh. hundreds and hundreds of them. And I would say, why do I need these? That's right. Yeah. Why do I need these? And you know what they said to me? Your terminal, what's it matter? Oh no. Quote, unquote. And I said, well, it matters to my children because they need their mother to help them with their homework when they come home from school and their baths and they need their books read. And I don't need to be on all this medication just because I'm terminal. I'm still a mom. And so from that day on, I never took a pain pill. I had 22 surgeries, Mm. never took one. And I taught myself how to breathe through my pain. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, it got really um, intense at some points, you know, I, you know, cause the pain, some of the procedures and things, the pain would be quite intense and I would just breathe all that more and concentrate through it mm-hmm. to, to an extent where one time I was over my body and saw what was happening. Only one time did I, was I able to accomplish that one, one time only, but I did. So I was, you know, it was incredible. The things that I did in order to get myself from step one to Mm -hmm. step two, to step three. And then, um, Uh, you know, I had to fight for a whole different type of radiation treatment that I researched. Really? What's that? That I needed. And um, that was one of the other keys that really saved my life because Mm -hmm. the doctors um, all wanted me to do photon radiation, which is normal radiation that everyone Mm -hmm. gets, that everyone does. And at the time that um, I was ill, you know, my, I'm still ill, but you know, the time that Mm -hmm. I was going through the hard um, illness, Mm -hmm. there was, that's really mainly, that's all they did. And just to give you an idea, photon radiation is like there for cleanup. So Mm -hmm. if you do do really well at chemo and you get your radical mastectomy and so forth, then you come in with the cleanup crew. Yep. And that's what photon radiation is. That's what I call it, the cleanup crew. And it is like a big blast. It, it, it comes in the front and it goes straight out your back and it has scatter. Mm-hmm. It damages everything in its wake. Yes. It, it's like, you know, you, you know, when you hear about all those, you know, um, 
accidents like in Russia that like, you yes. know, took out the city. That's what this radiation will do. I mean, it just takes out everything in his wake. And the problem with that is my heart and lungs were involved. Absolutely. So yes. I was going to die of congestive heart failure mm-hmm. long before I was going to die of the cancer at that yes. point. So I needed to figure out a way. And so I talked a doctor in Indiana at a university to do proton radiation for me. Okay. Now, the difference with proton is it's a pinpoint radiation. It can mm-hmm. stop on a dime and it can go around your organs. Oh, wow. And just irradiate the areas that you want it to. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem was proton radiation was mainly used for brain cancer, prostate cancer, or anything that's very, very small. Okay. My area was very, very large. Yes. So it was never done before. So I, but I didn't understand why it couldn't be because mm-hmm. proton radiation was, has been around for decades. Okay. So we've had the, you know, we've had the technology. Um, it's just the man hours and the expense to do such a large area Mm -hmm. is not in the insurance companies and medical professionals best interest interest. yes it's in your best interest but not theirs yes so I had to get quite creative and Mm -hmm. I talk about in my book exactly how creative I got in order to get this treatment Mm -hmm. but um the bottom line is um why is it that 10, 11 years later, I'm the only one alive today. Yes. Because that treatment is still not done. Hmm. They are not, even with the learned response from me, it is not being done on a regular, that is a problem. So Mm -hmm. I have um, developed one of my, to keep my promise to God. Yes. I developed a movement and, and. I like my uh, play on words. I call it lunge for healthcare. Cool name, right? Yeah. (laughs) And um, I plan on taking this movement global. I am, it's on my website now. I am the one.com, but we Mm -hmm. are from the beginning of the year. Lunge for healthcare will have its own website. It has um, a board of directors now. Okay. And we are serious. And what we're, what we're doing is I'm trying to keep it simple in yes. order to change the face of women in healthcare. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting off with um, uh, two asks. Very, very easy. We are um, asking women to follow their instincts when it comes to their healthcare. Follow, okay. Tap into their, their gut. That's right. Okay. Simple as that. And we're asking doctors, listen first, diagnose second. Mm-hmm. Those two things alone, just starting small, can can save millions of women's lives. Yes, it can. Just yes. with that easy, those easy steps. And you know, then ultimately what I'd like to ask the insurance companies if we save 
all of these dollars in insurance um, insurance dollars monies. I want all of our women's health services back in to our insurance plans that we had. You know, yes. they, they took all of them away. I mean, women used to be able to get mammograms at age 40. Now they moved it to 50. Well, yeah. that's not good enough. And, you know, women have to, you know, stop being on the back burners of healthcare. Mm-hmm. We are not second class citizens. You know, um, uh, the uh, proton radiation. Yes. It's used mostly for prostate cancer because mm-hmm. it's so lucrative. Uh. Well, it's time that man parts don't take the number one step. <laughs> the, the, the women part take front and center. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, um, that's kind of what lunch for healthcare is about. And okay. so I ask, I ask people, I mean, I need help um, uh, to, to take that global. So, so how can the audience help you with that? Well, um, when, the, when the website is going to be done at the beginning of the year, you mm-hmm. can easily log on and there's going to be a donate button. You can help financially, which is always nice. You know, I see this. I see lunch for healthcare on the sides of buses. I see it in social media. I see it as hashtags. So, you know, anybody with that kind of, you know, background or um, uh, skill set, those kind of people certainly can be helpful to me. Anybody that just wants to get involved, that believes the things that we're talking about today, yes, will have a place in for in lunch for healthcare because we cannot do this alone women if we band together we are a powerhouse Absolutely. so i'm asking women to band together to help lunch for healthcare mm-hmm. and i am doing one other thing associated with the book i am teaching a course it's going to start when is this going to start? January 28th. Is that when I'm starting it? Let me just make, make sure for you guys. Yes, it's called There's More to Cancer Than the Diagnosis. Because okay. if you heard anything from me today, you've learned that. That there's a lot more to cancer than just that diagnosis, that initial diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to teach, we're starting you can go onto my website and sign up for the class right now. I am the one.com and it's my way of giving back. Okay. And the first class is going to be a beta class. So it's half price four ninety five, um, not a lot of money, very affordable. And the value that you get will be infinite mm-hmm. because what happened to me is when I went into treatment, I had the stressors of, what's going to happen to me? What doctors do I use? How am I going to get through this? You know, you're having to funnel through all the white noise of your family, your friends, Mm -hmm. do this, do that, you know, so on and so forth. So this course teaches you how to pare down the white noise, Mm -hmm. how to manage the insurance and the healthcare system, how to find your own doctors, how to break the news to your, your loved ones or your small children. Mm -hmm. all things that you need to know, 
but things that were huge stress factors. Like I was looking at bankrupting my family. Oh, yes. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, and then they want me to go into treatment and save my life. And, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my yeah. God, you know, I've got all these other stressors going on, mm-hmm. which is why the cl- course is called There's More to Cancer Than the Diagnosis. That's so, right. if I, so if I can teach everybody my tricks mm-hmm. and, and eliminate all of that for everyone else, I can't change it for me. But if I can eliminate it for others down the road, right? they can go into treatment with just positive attitudes and let's kick this cancer it where it counts right. and not have to worry about the other stressors. How can you possibly, you know, go in and, and with all the strength and all the positivity that you truly need to, to beat something like this? when you have all that weighing on your shoulders. This is why a lot of people are dying. The stress alone is killing people. Absolutely. Yes. So this is my gift. It's all I know. It's what I know. And you know, there's no course out there like that. Mm -hmm. Nobody that's been through what we've been through is teaching a class like this. So I'm hoping people will sign up and then pay it forward. Yes, I will put all that information in the listen notes for this episode. And thank you for sharing your story and all of the very helpful information. And um, I usually ask my guests two questions before we end. You've already answered one of them. Um, (laughs) The what's next for you. You've talked about that. The other one is what is something that you've learned in life that you would like to share with the with the audience? I think. I've learned to not sweat the small things. Okay. I mean, when the new Vicky took over, she was all business. Mm. And, and, and by, by understanding the, what was going on, I could really appreciate my surroundings. Mm-hmm. And you know, life is too short, people. I hope that you can learn from me to bypass some of the things that just don't matter. Yes. And let's get to the heart of the situation mm-hmm. and teach your children to not have fear, to laugh with abandon, to enjoy their childhood. And I think that, you know, I've tried to teach that to my kids so Mm -hmm. that um, they learn to be silly and not worry what people (laughs) thought so much all the time. That's so important. It is. It is. Yes. So that's what I would recommend. Great advice. I, I love all of that. And I love how you talked about you not really caring what other people thought when you were trying to figure out how to start healing yourself. And um, I just think that that's so important because even as adults, we still kind of get stuck in not doing the things we want to do or trying different things because we're worried about what people think. So thank you for sharing that. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And before we wrap up, if people want to learn more about you, um, they can go to your website. I am the one. I am the one.com. 
Okay, I am the one.com. Any other social media sites you want to share? Um, well, I'm on I'm on all of them. I'm on LinkedIn, okay. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, um, Facebook, um, all via, you know, I am one and um, some form or another. Okay, um, perfect. So you can reach out to me. But you know, the easiest way is usually my website. I mean, perfect. everything that I'm doing is is listed on there. Okay. So you can even buy my book on the website. So anything. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure people will be reaching out to see how they can help you further your your cause and your mission. I really hope so. Everybody out there, I I really could use the help. I'm just, you know, a one, one little woman. So yes, it's hard. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Thank you for having me because anybody, even if one person helps me today, I would be grateful to you. Thank you. Absolutely. Again, Vicki, thank you for your time. It was a pleasure having you as a guest today. And before we end, I'd like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you for joining us. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it please be sure to subscribe. And if you appreciate the show, drop a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For notes from the show, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. After you check out the show notes, head over to my gift shop and show yourself or someone special in your life some love with gifts of encouragement, hope, and positive affirmations. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.